with me, then I want to get with her. And, you know, through the physical disability, it's all about the feeling. And that feeling is that you're listening to the Dare Daniel podcast, where you send us your most thinnest of movie dayeth, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, and I'm currently hooked up to a 16-genotype landline LPG with a stealth indicator translator. With me, as always, film critic Daniel Barnes. Hi, everyone. On this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and then we review and rate them on our unique system. Run-of-the-mill bad film, we'll give that a dare. Double dare goes to the truly atrocious movies, and we reserve the reverse dare. The respected, revered worldwide renowned reverse dare for a despised movie that we deem to be pretty good today on the podcast we're reviewing keanu reeves and the much maligned 1995 cyberpunk thriller johnny mnemonic we're also going to read some movie dare sent in by our listeners but before we get started let's talk about these beers daniel beers i do not have a beer Quirk, again uh as we uh, covered on the last episode of the show a lot of people during the pandemic, they're taking on extra hobbies. They're learning a new skill. Yeah. They're getting physically fit. Mm-hmm. They are learning like a new language. They're going out. They're growing and changing in, in some amazing sort of way. I am just drinking more. Sure. sure. Uh, and just really diversifying the drinking. Um, but you know what? Here's my honest opinion. Quirky. And, you know, uh, parents, if your kids are, are around, please bring them into the room because they're going to want to hear this. I genuinely believe that if you intellectualize and aestheticize something enough, you can't possibly be an addict, right? Sure, exactly. I mean, if you're McConaughey in True Detective and you're just pounding like Miller Lights all day fucking long, yeah, you got an issue. But I mean, do you see the glassware that I have here? Oh. I have a circular ice cube mold, Corky. Don't tell me I've got a problem. Um, But yeah, I am having some spirits today from a local distillery up in Auburn. Uh, Last show, I think it was last episode, I talked a little bit about dry diggings up there in El Dorado Hills. This is from California Distilled Spirits in Auburn. Um, I do have here an old-fashioned that I've made with their Young Prince bourbon, which is an absolutely fantastic. But today I'm going to have a little sample of their distillery direct whiskey corky this is a barrel aged whiskey it has in the mash where does it have in the mash uh, barley corn and wheat it was aged in new american white oak barrels i'm just going to pour myself a little splash i've had it already it's an absolutely fantastic single barrel whiskey from california distilled spirits they do fantastic work there um, and they will ship anywhere in california so go check them out Taking a sip. Oh, baby. Mm, that is just dancing all over my Folks, tongue. I wish you could have seen the refined aesthetic of that sip, too. It, the pinky was out, everything. I mean, my my handwork, I've studied it. I read a book about how to sip. Trust me. Your technique, okay. Daniel, you get the swirl and the pour at the same time. It's amazing. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. And then when I flipped the bottle behind my back, yes. caught it. And right into the glass cocktail style. Beautiful. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's with a single barrel whiskey, too. I'm not just throwing grenadine around. Come on. 
Corky, talk about your craft Well, beer. you know, like you said, people are getting into different hobbies in the pandemic. You know, you've selected the noble support, the noble pursuit of deadening your senses in never increasing ways. Yes. I, you know, chose to help support justice for people of color. I, I have a Black is Beautiful <laughs> Imperial Stout that I'm going to be drinking right now. And so there's two ways to go about this whole thing. <laughs> exactly. Obviously, right? I mean, no one's more valid than the other. Uh, but yeah, black is beautiful. I think I had one of those on the show, or maybe a couple. Of yeah, them we've we visited these uh, beers summer. a couple times. But brewed and canned by Oak Park Brewing Company here in Sacramento, Oak Park. Oak Park Brewing Company, yeah. right over there in Oak Park. Hop, skipping a jump from where I am here in Hollywood Park. Delicious, full body stout. Uh, yummy and goes to the uh, great cause. Absolutely. Great people over there at Oak Park Brewing. Um, and I know that if you're in the Sacramento area, they do beer, they do food, they're on DoorDash. So go and uh, support them. So, Corky, before we get to the dares, I just wanted to point out a slight omission from our last episode in which we reviewed the Jesus Rolls. Thank you so much to Hall of Fame Heather for that dare. However, another frequent dare actually sent this to us back in June. Oh, <laughs> Is that yeah. right? We got this back in June from Julio from the Contrarians. Frequent dare. We've done many of his, uh, we've reviewed several of his dares on the show, right? At least one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we actually read it on the Think Big episode okay. of the podcast. Man, does that just seem like a million years <laughs> it ago? Does. It was like five, five months. <laughs> but what this does, this points to the importance of visiting our PayPal because yeah. uh, we read the dare, but it wasn't until that, you know, Hall of Fame head dropped a little coin in the slot that our eyes really took to that and said, hey, that's a movie we should visit. That's going to yeah, go absolutely. right to the that's front of the line. That certainly perked up our interest. We've said many times on the show that the dares are our food, um, but in a more accurate way, I would say that food is our food <laughs> and uh, – <laughs> Money pays for food. I mean, food ain't free. Well, I guess it is if you're scavenging, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. I thought you were going to go in a different direction. It was like, dares are our food, but the money is the teeth we use to jump those dares. <laughs> but yeah, thank you, Julio from The Contrarians for the dare. Go check that episode out, The Jesus Rolls. I think that was a pretty fun Yeah, I had a ball on that episode. You don't want to watch that movie. My God, you don't want to watch that movie. So listen to us uh, talk about it. Also visit Julio and the Contrarians podcast. Good people. Absolutely. First dare comes to us from my man D to the motherfucking P. What do you got for us, DP? He's got 36.15 code Pare Noel. What the (laughs) fuck? What? AKA Deadly Games. Yeah, that's what I'd get from 36.15 code Paranoel. Sounds like a library code. It is a 1989 French horror thriller directed and written by Rene Manzor, stars Brigitte Fossey, Louis Ducrot, and your boy Patrick Floresheim. Why, David Paul, did you want us to watch this movie? He says, hey, guys, 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 I know the holidays already passed, but this film is timeless. Code Noel is a famous French flop that likely inspired Home Alone. It's a roller coaster of themes and moods and emotions. One minute, it's a lighthearted romp. The next, it's a psychological horror drama. Watching it left me confused and very entertained. It's been called a turd, but I think it's just rose-scented shit. Kind of a perfect Dare Daniel movie. And I looked this up, and yeah, and according to Wikipedia, I don't know if anything ever came of it, but the director, Rene, as I say his name was, Rene Manzor, 
threatened to sue the makers of Home Alone because the movie was thematically similar, although it seems like it not not a, a family comedy in any way. Uh, sense of, I just like but in, anyway. imagining Chris Columbus sitting in a, a very darkened movie theater, Don Draper style, watching some French art house film. <laughs> I must visit revisit this, but in my own Chris Columbus way. Thank you so much, David Paul, for the dare and for always supporting the show. You don't talk about supporting the show. Yeah. This is is the prototype for supporting the show, David Paul. Big boy goes deep. Our second dare of the episode comes to us from Listener Rose. Her movie dare is Fat Girls. That is fat with P-H and girls with a Z. Yes, absolutely. It's a 2006 <laughs> comedy starring Monique, written and directed by Nguest Lequet. Why did Rose dare as Fat Girls? She says, because of its weird body positivity message and, anim- and amateur cinematography that would put Tyler Perry to shame. The IMDb synopsis for Fat Girls, an edgy comedy about two frustrated plus-size women obsessed with their weight while struggling to find love and acceptance in a world full of hot-bodied babes. Uh, Dan, I know you had the poster for this up in your room for a while. Absolutely. What do you know about Fat Girls? Fat Girls too, really. It's even (laughs) Fat Girls. It's so much better. uh, Fat Girls, again, PH uh, and Girls with a Z. Do not confuse this with the Catherine Berlay film, although I'm sure it's just as horrifying in (laughs) in its own sort of way. No, I've never seen it. I've never seen Oscar it either. Winner, uh, Oscar winner, Monique. Oscar that's winner. true. She's talented as hell. But, uh, sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and guess, and guess, Lick A? I don't know. Might have to Might check not this be out. as talented. <laughs> Thank you for the dare, Rose. And now, our feature presentation. Johnny Mnemonic. Dared to us by Brad from the Cinema Guys podcast. This is not a good movie, but I love it. This is Keanu in his 90s prime of whoa. I remember seeing this film in the theater in 1995, and I was the only one of our group that walked out enjoying this so bad, it's good cyberpunk film. Highly recommend watching this Keanu classic, which, by the way, also has a great soundtrack. Enjoy! The IMDb synopsis for Johnny Mnemonic. A data courier literally carrying a data package inside his head must deliver it before he dies from the burden or is killed by the Yakuza. <laughs> That's Johnny that old, Mnemonic. <laughs> that old song. Yes, Johnny Mnemonic, based on the novel of the same name by William Gibson, directed by Robert Longo, better known as a postmodern artist. This was actually the only feature film he ever directed. Heck of a cast. Sure, yeah. Heck of a cast. Rolling seriously deep. Keanu Reeves, you got Dolph Lundgren. Let's throw in Dina Meyer. Why not Ice T? That enough? Takeshi beat Katano. Right. Beat Takeshi's in this. In scenes that reminded me of the Space Desk movie from season six of Community. If you ever <laughs> see that with the ham girl guy movie. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, there's actually a slightly longer version of this film with additional Katano scenes that only played in Japan and I think was part of the reason this movie got anyway added to the budget. Uh, Largely set in Newark, the film was shot almost entirely in Montreal and Toronto, which kind of goes back to why this movie was made, just seemingly just to, like, get tax breaks and things. Yeah. Because, obviously, Keanu is Canadian. You've got this international cast, but you're like, I think everybody in this cast is a tax break of some (laughs) sort. Uh, Apparently, Longo and Gibson originally set out to make a tiny art film. That's what they say. But the rise of the internet and the culture around technology 
made it a hotter property in the early 90s. So they got a big, bigger budget, ended up with a production budget of around 26 million. This is in 1995 dollars released in the United States on May 26, 1995, gross 19 million domestic against that 26 million dollar budget. 12 on Rotten Tomatoes, 33 on Metacritic, and Keanu Reeves was nominated for a Worst Actor Razzie for this film and A Walk in the Clouds, but he quote-unquote lost to Polly Shore for jury duty. William Gibson tried to explain the film's failure in 1998. I think he also has like screenplay credit on this too. Uh, Gibson adapted his own novel, so it's not a case of like, oh, those fucking hacks ruined my thing, but he still tries to make the hacks ruin my thing yeah, argument. He does. In 1998, he says basically what happened was it was taken away and recut by the American distributor in the last month of its pre-release life. And it went from being a very funny, very alternative piece of work to being something that had been very unsuccessfully chopped and cut into something more mainstream. Corky. Yeah. Having seen the film. Yeah. Are you taking that bait? And saying, yeah, you know what, Billy? There was a great movie in there, and they stole it from you. Or are you like, yeah, Billy, come on, Bill. Billy. There was a very funny, very alternative movie somewhere. There must have been a whole nother movie shot, because I didn't see like the, humor that, the humor that got kept isn't even funny. Joseph Campbell talks about the monomyth and the hero's journey, right? There's like one scene in this movie, and it's about three quarters of the way through, where they try to flesh out <laughs> some kind of character for Johnny Mnemonic. Yes. And then it's forgotten again. It's it's totally gone. The, uh, no, there's no way that there was a good movie just living in the cut somewhere. Seems very, very unlikely. Yeah, unless, like you said, that in the last month of its pre-release life, they shot an entirely different <laughs> film, edited it, scored it, like whatever. Yeah, I actually saw this in the theaters back in 1995. I think I might have been in the group with Brad from The Cinema Guys because I hated it oh. back then. Um <laughs> And I will say, like, haven't seen it since then. So it's been over a quarter century and it's aged even worse. Yeah. Like it's somehow worse now than it was back then. And this is despite the fact that the film is set in 2021 with a global virus on the rampage. That's, yeah. Like this actually became like a popular meme uh, in recent months where they were like uh, on Reddit and they were like, hey, look at this. John Mnemonic predicted 2021. But they just showed the first three lines of this very long scroll of an intro that happens with, as the movie opens, that scroll is about 200 lines. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like there's a huge info dump. Or it did not anything. It is just, it's, it, it's not just that it's bad. Cause we watch a lot of bad. It's just so unimaginative. And it's so shocking to find out that it's actually like someone like Robert Longo mm -hmm. and William Gibson who made this movie because you don't, Feel like, oh, yeah, some kind of postmodern artist took over and just ran with it. And that's why it's bad. You know what I mean? That's not it. It feels like a lazy, timid hack filmmaker made a lazy, timid hack piece of shit. It is canted angles. Yeah. It is smoke machines right out of Battlefield Earth. It is doyoyoyoyoyoy comic takes. It is bad lightings, bad sets, bad costumes, bad fight scenes, bad performances, music. Everything is just... The special effects are like a step down from the lawnmower man. <laughs> yes. How? Yes. It was several years later. And there's like attempts in here to mimic Blade Runner, which is just absolutely embarrassing. Um, yeah, it's just shocking how unimaginative and chaotic and uh, basically unwatchable it is. 
So let's get into it because just reading this intro is going to take us about about the next half hour. Or so that's a book in itself. It's everything wrong with this movie in a nutshell, right? Like in an intro like this again, not like Star Wars is like the Avatar for how to make a, food, a movie or anything like that. Go with broad strokes. Mm-hmm. Good versus evil. Who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? Real broad strokes, right? And then what is about to happen? Lead into it. That's just basic storytelling, yeah. right? Instead, they bombard you with cyber jargon and just made up nonsense forever. And like I said, this became a meme because they cut out just these first three lines, which is second decade of the 21st century. Corporations rule. The world is threatened by a new plague. People, oh okay, my God. Spot on. Got the, it. Oh, nailed it. Okay, well, let me read the, all the rest of it. Nas, nerve attenuation syndrome, fatal epidemic, its cause and cure unknown. The corporations are opposed by the low techs, a resistance movement risen from the streets, hackers, data pirates, guerrilla fighters in the info wars. The corporations defend themselves. They hire the Yakuza, the most powerful of all crime syndicates. They sheathe their data in black ice, lethal viruses waiting to burn the brains of intruders. But the low techs wait in their strongholds in the old city cores like rats in the walls of the world. Next paragraph. <laughs> it at a certain point is like takes a breath. The most valuable information must sometimes be entrusted to mnemonic couriers, elite agents who smuggle data in wet wire brain implants. So again, good versus evil, broad strokes, what's the central conflict? No no fucking clue because they just bombarded you with nerve attenuation syndrome, low-tex, info wars, Yakuza, black ice, mnemonic couriers, and wet wired brain implants. Mm -hmm. I'm like... You're lost, but also you're like, I don't want to find. I don't want to get found. Like, I just want this to stop. <laughs> this is, like, so fucking irritating, like, right off of the bat. They did leave out everything about the blood chinois and the hemophages and then uh, how the doctor so bring so Teddy Rex back. But right away, we get – I mean, the computer graphics in this are just brutal. So they uh, Like, Max Headroom – it like looks so much fucking better than this shit. It is just awful. And it's just the internet as in disclosure, which I think came out just the year before this, it's all rendered as like a, a literal theoretical space. Place, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> it's an actual thing, but it's also just like the shittiest looking fucking thing in the world. Um, but we go through this a little while and then Johnny, this is our hero, Johnny Mnemonic uh, played by Keanu Reeves. He gets a wake up call in I guess his eye and he's in a luxury hotel room with a high class prostitute. Yeah. We get this exchange. <laughs> Johnny? Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> this is that is like some of the first dialogue in this movie. <laughs> like, wow, I don't give a shit. She then comes in, she says, So, where is home, Johnny? And Keanu <laughs> looks like he can't remember and then says I kind of can't remember. <laughs> that's it. I mean, that's like a non sequitur as a conversation starter. So good. Yeah. So he doesn't know where home is. So she she just leaves. Um, and then Johnny gets a remote controlled call from Udo Kier, uh, who is Ralphie. Ralphie is like just some kind of a criminal agent. Uh, they talk about how there was a quote that was raised. Uh, we get the idea that Johnny is trying to buy his memory back, but he doesn't have enough money. So, of course, Ralphie offers him one more run 
one last job for all the marbles. Um, so Johnny is desperate and says, all righty. And this so, is Keanu Reeves in full just reading cue cards mode. He does – I mean oh my, the, yeah. he brings nothing to any of these uh, lines he's uttering. He is not invested in this at all. He must look back at this too and be kind of embarrassed because I know that for like the Matrix movies, he actually got kind of good at martial arts mm-hmm. and like in his personal life and in other films and things like that. And whoa, boy, fi- this is pre that. The fight scenes this in this are pre- not <laughs> Matrix uh, fight scenes. It is just like hit your mark A, hit your mark B, and that's all we're going to do in one shot. Yep. <laughs> because that's, that was hard enough. That was hard enough. I'm, I'm, Central Beijing. This is where uh, Johnny is. He's in a luxury hotel, but he goes to a different luxury hotel. Yeah. This movie is just really already just fantastic. Um, There's protesters everywhere. The streets are choked with protesters. There's all these uh, banners that say stop NOS now, Um, which I mean, look, Illmatic was a highlight and we all agree. But like, you know, he's he's had a fine career. I just I still think he's very talented. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah johnny steps into this luxury hotel lobby again different luxury hotel than the one he was just in he briefly sees iced tea uh on the television but only because he's a huge law and order svu fan. sure um and that exists in this uniform um i find stolen flute for the svu <laughs> so i should also mention uh yeah we mentioned the blade runner knockout so there's a whole Cityscape boy. Just the like, only thing that was missing was the little geisha doing an ad on the side of a building. <laughs> so Johnny's going up to this meeting in the hotel room and he plugs a wire into his head. A wire into his head. That's wild. We talked about like uh, the things that this movie got right about, or I talked about the things that this movie got right about the future. But there's always mm. those things that are, not, I'm not going to hold it against it, but there's always those things that aren't they get wrong. <laughs> and all this stuff is predicated on sending faxes as well. Like you have to fax information as a backup to your download. <laughs> oh, but yeah, Johnny, he's, he's has some device that increases his memory capacity in his head. Um, this is another thing the movie, the, ho- the movie got ridiculously wrong is that he, he like brags about how he's got 80 gigabytes in his head. It's like <laughs> my, my daughter just got a phone this week that has 124. <laughs> it's like Johnny should have <laughs> held out, man. You got to wait for the upgrade. Come on, Johnny. Really? So, but he can't exceed capacity. Remember that? Yeah. Remember that because he next gets a package and it exceeds capacity. Holy shit. But he takes it anyway because he's desperate. And as you said, yeah, there's this whole thing where it's coded with a sequence of images and they're going, they have to fax the images. Yeah. And then they use the images to unlock it from his head. I mean, that's just dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Not a fucking very efficient way of doing crime. And then they say, fax the images to Newark, (laughs) which is kind of, like you said, so crazy. They knew that everyone says that in 2021. Uh (laughs) (laughs) So close. I'm constantly telling you to fax images to Newark. Uh, Anyway, so Johnny takes too much data, too much data. He almost seizes, has his nosebleed, kind of Tai Chi's himself back into it. He does a little Tai Chi. He goes, uh, where's the bathroom in here? He has to take a mnemonic number two. And he goes into the bathroom and has himself a little nosebleed. Now, I've had nosebleeds in the hotels, uh, in the bathrooms of swanky hotels. But it's after all-night Coke parties, right? Not after downloading 82 gigarams of megahertz. (laughs) 
<laughs> but of course, while Johnny is in the bathroom, Tarantino style, the killer strike uh, and kill everyone except for Johnny. The lead bad guy has a cool thumb thing. I thought that was a cool thing in this movie where he pulls his one thumb apart and it's got like an electro wire that he reads. It's kind of like a lightsaber. It's, it's a laser whip. I kept calling it laser whip because he constantly is pulling out his laser. I call finger. it an electro wire. I mean, maybe you get the off brand. <laughs> I buy laser whip all brand products all in this way. house. We are electro wire men. <laughs> um, but yeah, the killer strike while Johnny's in the bathroom, they, they wipe out these uh, non-professionals. Um, and as Johnny's in the bathroom, all of a sudden, wha-bam, one guy comes in. Johnny takes him out and because the guy's bald. So he says, next time, knock, baldy. Uh, this is followed by just the weakest fucking kung fu. I mean, super this was janky ass gunfight action. This was David Carradine in uh, the Warrior movie, the Warrior and the Sorcerer. <laughs> this was bad fight scenes. Really, really bad. Yeah, when we're introduced to kind of the main, not the main villain, I don't know, the main henchman, the main number two, yeah. you know what I mean, whatever, um, uh, which is Laser Whip Guy. Um, and John, But Johnny escapes. We get our ticking clock now that because he's overloaded, he only has 24 hours to live. The yeah, thank you, Newark Airport Security <laughs> Station, for supplying <laughs> that information. They're like, hey, looks like you got a lot of illegal information in there. Just a heads up. 24 hours before your head explodes. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> it, oh, I love a, a airport security scan that tells everybody, uh, November 7th, 19, uh, or 2025, <laughs> you're going to drop dead of a heart attack, pal. <laughs> now we meet, for the first time, the Yakuza boss. This is Takahashi, played by Takeshi Beat Katano. He's credited in this movie as just Takeshi. Yeah. Uh, but it's his information that was stolen. And also, I mean, the Yakuza boss, he's a very Takeshi kind of sure. like a boss yep. too, right? Because like he's grieving. Tortured, um, yep. You know, like he's really tortured, but he's he's a bad guy, but you can see some good in him, yeah. you know? So it's a, it's a very uh, Takeshi. This is also the most ham girl guy scene maybe ever. <laughs> like, honestly, he's sitting at a desk in front of like a really bad blue screen. Speaking phonetic. And acting... Acting opposite no one, speaking phonetic English. And doing it better than uh, Keanu Reeves and Ice-T. Obviously not acting opposite the man <laughs> who was in the scene. Of so fucking hilarious. He's in charge of Pharmacom or works for Pharmacom. He's in charge of Pharmacom. But yeah, it's all it's all Yakuza. Yakuza and the corporation. It's all Yakuza these days. I mean, everywhere yeah, you go. Yeah, you're right. So Johnny's in the cab. He's he's in Newark. Uh, he gets a hold of Ralphie, and he tells Ralphie, "This feels like a blown deal, man." But Ralphie's like, "I can help you," and he directs Johnny to find some help. This is where we go. This is like a really weird transition where, basically, Ralphie, who we've only seen on the screen so far, closes it. We cut to Ralphie, yeah, who is in this like future nightclub, which is like a very small because that's where bad guys got to do their business deals is at the nightclub. He's just all like on his laptop, just doing his business. Doing and his, it, his bodyguards are named Pretty and Yo Mama. Those are his two bodyguards, <laughs> which are the names of my testicles. Whoa. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, but hey, remember the 90s? Dina Meyer. Hey. 
She was in Starship Troopers. I, I think ER too. Walks into the club. Henry Rollins is with her. He, he plays Spider. Henry Rollins as Spider. If I'm watching a movie and I and I sit there and I'm go, okay, Keanu Reeves, he's not going to be the worst actor. He, he's definitely going to be worst actored out by Ice-T, right? No, Ice-T's not going to be the worst actor. He's going to be worst actored out by Henry goddamn Rollins. Henry Rollins. I got to just he say, it, my, my kink, Dan, my sexual kink is any movie where Henry Rollins dies. Just put that on and let me be by myself because I'm a happy, happy man. Well, Quirky, I got good news for you because (laughs) he is not long for this world. Yes, he's Dr. Spider. Yeah. This scene is so weird because we have no context for who these people are. But Dina Meyer, who I don't think we ever find – do we find out? We'd find out her name like 45 minutes later in the movie. And it's Jane. (laughs) <laughs> Something so bad. The names in this movie are Jane, Mr. Smith, Mr. Jones, Johnny. They weren't really scraping the bottom of the name barrel for the names on this one. But yeah, she goes up to Ralphie, who remember she's at his club now, and demands a job as his bodyguard. Um, only he kind of tests her and she is not able to hold her hand steady. She shakes. She has Nas. Quirky, she has Nas. Yeah, what? that's supposed to mean so something. I'm not sure yeah. exactly what Nas is yet. AKA the Black Shakes, which we find out we hear the that Black Shakes. a bunch of times. Absolutely. But also there's something else called Black Ice. Does Black Ice cause the Black Shakes? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> this is um, the first time we see Ice Tea because Johnny has taken Ralphie's directions. He's just wandering around some pile of rubble yeah. and Ice Tea and his little sidekick are spying on Johnny. It's so funny because Ice-T and his sidekick named Toad are standing up on like the 11th floor of some high-rise, abandoned high-rise, right? They're watching some violence, some woe differences because it turns out Johnny got set up by Ralphie yeah. and there's somebody there to kill him. Well, the guy starts shooting. A bullet goes through Toad's face. Toad falls out of the window all the way down to his death, right? He falls 11 stories. Ice-T goes down to check on him. <laughs> You okay, Toad? Toad, you all right? Just, there's no like Toad or anything like that. He just like watches it and then goes down like, hey, bud. Hey. Hey, bud. You got a boo-boo? You got to rub some dirt on that, bud? Band-aid? <laughs> yeah, Johnny. Somebody finds Johnny, but it's a trap. It's Baldi. Yeah, Baldi yeah. is there. Baldi, remember? But Johnny has some device that makes an explosion. He runs. Well, it's so poorly shot. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, and then while the gunman chases Johnny, Ice-T's sidekick kind of gets caught in the crossfire. And Ice-T and Johnny end up taking out the killers. But it's not Ice-T, as he says, I'm J-Bone. I run heaven. And then he disappears. (laughs) And then he points over to where heaven is. It's just like in this movie, let's break it down. He's a leader of some underground resistance, right? How is he just trusting this guy enough? I know he needs to tell the audience who he is and what he does. But he just tells that he runs the (laughs) underground all alone to the stranger. Who just was trying and to And then runs him. off. Yes. He's like, that's our secret hideout right over there. So Johnny goes to the club to confront Ralphie. This club, which is a heavy metal opera club. Sure. That's different. So, to the testifying to the solid score that Bradford was in, <laughs> solid music that Bradford Sorry, Brad, the music's that good. Um, but yeah, he confronts Ralphie about the double cross. Dina Meyer overhears. 
uh, and she goes to like eavesdrop in him. She enters the largest air duct in the history yeah. of the world. So, like it's it's always so ridiculous when like people are like crawling around in a tight space of an air duct. Yeah. Like air needs a lot of room <laughs> to circulate. You got no, it doesn't. It's air. It's funneled it's in air. A tidy, as it, tight it, as it can be. That's how it funnels. Can tell it where to go. Is like if you, if you could control it, like push it. Th- yeah, it's I mean, gonna go. Die Hard was seven years before this. How, they could have got it right. And in movie times, Die Hard was. 41 years before this. <laughs> but she, she she enters this air duct standing straight up. <laughs> she is just walking in this giant air duct above the bathroom in this fucking nightclub. It's so fucking good. There's two guys playing uh, racquetball behind her in an air duct. There's room. Johnny there runs room up to Udo Kier and he says, Ralphie, you lying sack of shit. Which was from the director's cut of Christmas Story. I don't know if you t- know that. <laughs> yeah, but she sees Ralphie's guards are about to kill Johnny, so she jumps down out of the gigantic air duck. She does some weak-ass kung fu. Uh, laser whip guy comes in and just laser whips Udo Kier to death. That's a wrap on Udo Kier. Thank you, uh, Udo Kier. Assist to laser whip. He hits him like across the chest in three spots, and then they do the thing where like in segmented falls apart, and Udo Kier goes, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> like if your body was whipped in three pieces, you're like, ow. <laughs> but yeah, Jane saves Johnny, which sounds like an 80s new wave band. <laughs> Yeah, they escape. Uh, there's just the most agonizingly awful-looking shootout and chase sequence. It's fucking horrible. They are saved by the Lotex. Uh, the Lotex are some kind of Beyond Thunderdome-style gang of ragamuffins, only led by Ice T. And yeah, exactly. And they and they like makeup or face paint in odd ways. Like I was trying to figure out why are they f- painting their faces like this? What is that? Yeah. They're very, uh, dystopia meets, uh, Dicken- dis- dis- Dickensian dystopia. You know what I yes. mean? Like they're all like little fucking Oliver twists. And shit. Arms for the poor, <laughs> sir. Arms for the poor. We'll download your CBL line. Um, a little bit of light. Flashes in Johnny's eyes after they escape from uh, the killers, um, which he sees flashes from his childhood memory. And this is where, for the first time, and I mean, this movie is like over half over at this point, we actually get a little bit of fleshing out of Johnny where he he says that he had to drop his childhood memories to clear space. I mean, we could have figured that out. But holy crap, you really waited a long time to drop like the kind of obvious plot point that probably should have been dropped way earlier. Yeah. And remember this when Johnny talks about how he doesn't remember his childhood, he doesn't know where he was born. When he starts talking about all the things he did, like when, how he needed this job, how he, 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 the whole reason he got the implants was because he needed the money. How do you know? You fucking cleared all those memories out. Right. It's like, just clear up to the point where I remember why I did this. <laughs> Everything else has to go. I can't remember. God, this this scene with with Jane and Johnny getting to know each other, walking through the train tunnels. I'm fuck Keanu. He's he's in his can't act bag in this one. I mean, this is bad, Keanu. Really is. Um, But maybe even worse, the ghost in the machine. This fucking whole plot point. 
is the dumbest. Oh fucking yeah, thing. the Takeshi cop plot point. Yes, well, it's a both of them plot point because it's some woman who has died. I mean, they find this out eventually, but some like kind of hologram keeps popping out of a screen and being like, "Don't do it, yeah. don't do it," or something like that. And you find out it's some woman who has died, but now her soul is in the computer, and so she talks to John. I mean, it, it looks awful. It's fucking dumb yeah the movie just absolutely adds nothing comes on really really fucking doesn't oh, it's, he's desperate what's he gonna do he says i need a computer and again hilarious how they predicted how hard it would be to find computers in the future we fucking carry several with us at all times uh but uh johnny has to build his own computer so he puts on the disclosure gloves to access the 2021 internet uh, he makes contact with strike who i mean i can't even describe how fucking dumb this is like it's just this scene adds nothing it adds absolutely nothing it just he's he asks strike strike is some hacker who operates in that territory of newark he asks him what's going on why are they trying to get in my head and strike says all i know is you've got a head full of pharmacom data and they hired the yakuza to get it that's all they've been showing us for the whole 30 minutes before this we it tells us no nothing no new information there's no new information oh he gives us it. a name he gave, we get a name yeah. dr allcome oh but then he's being obliterated by a virus so like literally the image gets like slowly obliterated <laughs> i mean it's just like that's not computers work, right sure dr allcome is also the name of my only fans we now, for the first time, get to meet the head of the Church of the Retransfiguration. It is, of course, crazy preacher Dolph Lundgren. He's got a serrated dagger crucifix. Apparently, I guess the Japanese version had more Dolph Lundgren scenes, too, because good his character just pops in and then occasionally will pop in and yell something about like how he fits in thematically to any of this again he's just another killer hired by the yakuza yeah you probably there's probably a lot of stuff that make more sense in the book they were able to flesh out there reminds me of vampire academy like that where each scene was a different twist where it was like that was probably several chapters in the book but this guy being the psychotic guy who's the only religious figure in this movie uh probably made more sense in the book it was just so stupid i actually liked this whole thing you like Dolph Lundgren? Yeah, just being a, a crazed religious guy, a killer. I was like, this is just fucking wacko. So it's giving me something to look at. So more perfect predictions of the future. AT&T phone cards are very important. Um, and future malls. Future, future malls, malls are piles of mannequins everywhere. Okay. Here's their mall rubble. Like, what the fuck? Clean up this mall rubble. Uh, so, but she starts seizing. Oh my God. She's got the black shakes. What are you going to do? So he takes her to spider your boy, Henry Rollins, uh, who does a Rollins esque rant against technology. Really lame. At one point we actually see the black flag tattoo. He's really laying some truth bombs on Johnny in that rant against technology. It's it. All this technology right here. It's like, wait, all the technology in your, this is your fucking apartment. dude. (laughs) It's like you're ranting against yourself. He's spied by the low techs, but they kind of let him. They the, the low techs do a little plot um, filling in or a little filling in on his character. They say he's kills because he needs the money to keep upgrading, and he's more robot than man. And all this, but other we see no, kind of we stuff. see no evidence of that. Remember that later when he when he gets burned to death, he's a very no. carbon based person. Seems pretty carbon based. I know it seems like it was there just so they could do like a T two fake out at the in the last 
shot. Um, but yeah, he carries a staff. He wears robes. He has a very kind of Old Testament kind of vibe. Uh, but he's a robot or whatever. Watching him and they run him over. Play a genius just hurt my soul. <laughs> I hate Henry Rollins. Yeah, Henry Spider Rollins takes uh, everyone to the Nas Underground. This is like a place where he's secretly treating the Nas. Why do you need to secretly treat the Nas? I don't know what's happening. So anyway, Spider scans Johnny's brain. And he tells Johnny, you're carrying the cure for Nas. Whoa. Johnny's like, Johnny has to process the info. Um, He really has to like. (laughs) Dan, I checked out at this point. So I'm glad you're you're doing the heavy heavy lifting. I do not blame you. Yeah, it's funny. Like Johnny does this whole thing where he's like, oh, oh. I just want the luxury hotel and I want this and I want the high class prostitute and I don't want to be responsible for it. It's like, dude, what the fuck? That part, that was the only part where they tried to flesh out any character. I was like, where did this come from? None of this was set up. Yeah. Actually that ramp comes later, but this is kind of the start of it where he's like, suddenly like, it's just annoying because you're like, the whole movie you were like, okay, I'm going to carry whatever data you have in my head, whatever fucking, and then get it out. Right. And now all of a sudden he's like, Duh, it's important data. Now I don't want it. Yeah. And it's like, it's I like actually, nothing's fucking changed. I thought the lack of personality and the lack of character was, it was actually reflective of that. He's got no memory beyond just being a courier. And I thought that was purposeful, yeah. but no, it turns out he's just this selfish asshole, cynical, selfish asshole. Right. And it's well, like, and also it's just a complete flip from him. The whole kind of central conflict of the movie, which is that he wants to end this life and yeah. get back his childhood and get back all these memories and become himself again. And instead he's like, I want the literal opposite of that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to stay Johnny the courier. Forever. It's like I was saying, they try to do the hero's journey thing, but they don't know what it means. It's like, Oh, he just has to have conflict now. And he just has to have a moment of realization, but, but it doesn't make any sense to the rest of the movie. Yeah. So as Johnny's having a little conniption fit, Dolph Lundgren attacks um, but Spider sacrifices himself uh, to save Johnny. One minute, Quirky, 54 seconds. Uh, we get our Rollins Masturbates kill. to completion. <laughs> this is where Corky checked out because he fucking came. <laughs> Dr. Allcombe. Dr. Allcombe. Pagey Dr. Allcombe. Oh, sorry, guys. I got to go. <laughs> Ew. Um, so, yeah. Spider sacrifices himself to save Johnny and whatever Dina Meyer's character is named. I don't know. Oh, and, and of course she's kind of falling for Johnny now. And it, F, yeah. it's like, how there's, you were, you're this tough mercenary chick bodyguard killer, but you kind of got feelings for the guy who is petulantly whining about how he can't fuck high class hookers anymore. I know, right? Yeah. Real sympathetic. Um, Johnny's trying to make a deal with a corporation to this was like the most fucking hilarious part of the fucking movie. Johnny's trying to make this deal with a corporation to like get the stuff out of his head and you know sell it back to him and whatever and do it safely without involving the Yakuza. That call ends, and then we see that it's just Takahashi doing virtual reality <laughs> puppeteering. <laughs> is his head in like some light? He's just like moving it up and down, and it's like making the fucking CG. Like, I'm just like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> oh, I mean, we all know about deep fakes, but that is like the shallowest oh, yeah. fake you've ever seen. It's so fucking funny. Oh yeah. Um, so they go to see the Lotex, who are all living in this bridge that has been like. This is Montreal. So Montreal and Toronto 
are supposed to double like in movies for Chicago, New York, uh, any major the internet 2021 right. <laughs> Newark, Newark. <laughs> yeah. So they go there. This is where Johnny is having his fit about how he's not going to get to fuck high class prostitutes and he's not going to get the, you know, $500 a night hotel room and basically is just trashing every character um, aspect of his character that we've built up to this point. Um, but there's some goofy low techs. Yeah, there we get a like, comic beat of these two low techs. One's talking about, I, I want to get with her. She wants to get with me. And then they drop a, a bomb on them that is a VW bug. What sense it's a does a flaming any- car that, yeah, they think it's Spider because they see Spider's van. But why do spider they want to kill Spider? Dead. I don't know. <laughs> they just, <laughs> I don't know. It's so funny. So, yeah, they drop it on the van thinking that it's Spider, but they're not in the van. Um, Johnny throws a, a even bigger tantrum. This is where, like, Ice-T lowers in in just the most hilarious fucking <laughs> way. <laughs> it just has a habit of lowering into fucking scenes. Like, okay, Ice-T. Um, he takes him up into the bridge, heaven, a.k.a. Um, Johnny and... Dina Meyer are having a uh, a special moment together. They actually kiss. Uh, he's about to get his brain scanned. He's worried. Yeah, he's about to get his brain scanned. Um, but yeah, they kiss. Ice T comes in and he says, "We have a special room for that." I'm looking at him like um, I have seen you and a bunch of boys. <laughs> but okay, you have a special room for that. That's good. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Oh, guess what else do you have? A fucking dolphin. Wait, where's the dolphin yeah. fit into this like special room? This is shit? Jones. It's a little upsetting. <laughs> yes, Ice-T takes them to the heart and soul of heaven, which is basically an early 90s art installation. It just looks like a set that somebody built for like 120 minutes or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Like I, I know I've seen that big mountain of TVs set before so in an REM video. The Joss Whedon yeah, it's this TV twisting show. bank of tower of tower bank of TVs, wires everywhere, and there's a giant aquarium with the secret weapon, which is Jones the psychic dolphin. And this is how you know the movie just fucking sucks, is because like this is the one time where they actually went with a real effect over a digital effect, mm-hmm. and it looks just as bad, if not worse. It's just a poorly shot. The dolphin on the side of the Miami movie. Dolphins helmet looks more realistic than this. Dolphin. <laughs> So they're going to scan Johnny's brain, but what happens whenever you're downloading and scanning shit? Cars full of killers approach. Watch Ice T's mannerisms in this part two, because every time he talks about someone who's in the room, he points at them or, or like does the Price is Right hand model underneath them. <laughs> the goofy low techs from the earlier scene are violently murdered. Which is, like, yeah, what the, the, the fuck? So crazy. Uh, and I know I was just sitting on the practical effects, but boy, the CGI is a goddamn eyesore. Johnny, as all of this is happening, like we go into the wherever his head, cyber I guess, world. which is happening in a cyber head. He is like this little, like fucking pencil head. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He's like a pencil person is running around in the cyber world. I mean, like that's how I do. It looks like it's shit. It's indescribable. Yeah. It's indescribable. It's so fucking awful. And it's looking. not because it's 1996. It, it could no. look much better. It could if anyone gave. There's a dolphin a- flying around this cyber <laughs> world. <laughs> there is. <laughs> oh. There's like things that look but- like flying Doritos. And it just makes no sense, man. No, no, it's nonsense. It's ugly too. Um, Takahashi. Oh shit! Just, this is the Takeshi Kata. He just shows he just up. Walks Here in. I am. Here I am. And for the first time in the movie, is actually acting opposite a person. He was. They got one day with him and and uh, and Keanu. Um, the ghost in the machine, though, confronts both of them. We've skipped all the ghosts of the machine scenes because God, I mean, as bad as everything doesn't else, matter. Those are brutal, brutal, and point list she's just there to urge them to do the right thing yeah right um so the, the ghost confronts Takashi. she tells him his daughter died because of the corporation because they decided it was more profitable to treat nas than it would be to cure it um he shoots the ghost and then seems to come back to johnny but before he can make a decision who's there to shoot him in the back not with a laser whip, but a gun. Why, it's laser whip. Shinji. So now Johnny and laser whip fight. They have a whole fight that ends with them both hanging off the end of a bridge, of the bridge that they're all on. Like, um, But Johnny turns the tables, and guess what he does? He laser whips laser he whip. He electro wires. With his own laser whips. <laughs> and de- being decapitated with your own electro wire, that's just got to suck. Man, embarrassing. Talk, yes. Embarrassing. You, you, wow. you just hope all the other bad guys in hell do not know about this because they're gonna razz you. Yeah, so we're done with laser whip. Thank you, laser whip. Thank you, um, electric wire. But what well, laser whip? But uh, everything's fine now. No, because here comes Dolph. He pops back in. Church of the Trans Refigured Translation. I don't know. He grabs Dina Meyer. Um, but the as this is happening, the dying Takahashi. He's only been slightly laser whipped. He's not fully laser whipped. <laughs> Dain Hakahashi has the remaining image faxes for some, to Johnny. For some this reason. is like the big thing they've been chasing this whole movie is these images, these faxes of the images. Because the images were corrupt. Like, by corrupt, I mean like the paper was ripped. And it's just in a fucking Ziploc bag. It's like on set. There you they're go. Like, That's how they kept it when they didn't need it for shots. And they're like, yeah, just there use it. There you that. go. We're not taking it out of it. Uh, so he hands the images to Johnny. Dolph is defeated with dolphin rays, which Dolph defeated by dolphins, irony. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gets electrocuted and just butch- uh, barbecued uh, alive. Um, this was the most prescient prediction mm-hmm. that he had was that that guy is just killed by too much information, by information overload. The dolphin just <laughs> dumps. It's like, man, if you ever need a metaphor for modern life, just fucking... <laughs> Well, really, though, he's distracted by that, and then he, like, grabs a bunch of wires. Oh, that's right. Yes. Barbecued. Even more prescient. (laughs) Speaking of prescient, uh, J-Bones slash Ice-T says, get your VCR ready. What? Like, everyone's shocked (laughs) that I own a VCR. and Like, no one owns a VCR. No. 
Um, because they're going to release the cure. They're releasing the cure that was in Johnny's head. They got it out of his head. So they're releasing the cure. How the fuck does that work? How are you just like releasing it on the internet? Yeah, what? Well, you had to fax a, fucking cure. You had to fax a backup code. How, how are you going <laughs> to let everybody know the cure? Um, but anyway, however that works, uh, Nas is cured. Johnny's fine. Everything's fine. Pharmacon building is on fire. Why? I don't know. I don't know. It just is. It's just on fire for whatever reason. And J-Bone says, it's payback time. Clearly setting up the sequel. Ice-T Ice delivers every line of dialogue in the exact same cadence. It could be anything. He could be saying happy birthday. He could be saying <laughs> I love you. He could be saying, oh, these are the secret Riordian files. He could be saying anything. <laughs> but it's always in that same cadence. And you nail it. You got it down perfectly. Well, unless he gets very excited about someone stealing his flute, then he might say it more like, give me my motherfucking flute back. (laughs) 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 Anyway, T2 reference, fake out, like I said before, uh, Dolph Lundgren's uh, barbecued corpse. Oh, wait, it's getting up. It's getting up. It's getting up. And the nice T, J-Bone looks over and says, get that garbage out of here. And it's, really just a that's, piece of garbage that's, that's being the lifted last up off line the of our movie that's it is like get that piece of garbage out of here <laughs> like yeah that's you said it you said it all right there yep. and that my friends is a little movie called johnny mnemonic quirky any final thoughts before we give our ratings I, yeah i can't believe how ugly this movie was he's got no eye yeah. for it no absolutely artist and photographer <laughs> there's again no evidence of that there's no evidence so certainly hard to imagine there's any evidence that that a great movie ever existed or that anything was ever taken away from anyone if anything the studio heroically got in there and and compromised their artistic freedoms uh yeah and absolutely just a brutal movie so just to remind everybody about our ratings run of the mill bad film day or next level bad Double Dare movie we actually liked. Reverse Dare Corky. What's your rating for Johnny Mnemonic? Uh, I think I'm going to go Dare. Uh, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck were you just talking about? You're like, this movie's fine. I, <laughs> I checked out. I didn't actively hate it. Uh, it's ugly. That, it doesn't make sense. It, checking out <laughs> it, is more of a condemnation than actively hating it, I think. I, actively hating it means that you are engaged with it. I, but checking I know, out means it's unwatchable, which is my entire point. No, with Double Dare movies, I'm usually just fucking bored, man. And that's the worst. That's death to me is being bored. So you didn't me. check out because of boredom? I, I just stopped trying I to pay attention and follow. Bored. Like I was like, this is not. I'm not going to follow any of this. It's not going to make sense. So I checked out on that trying to make sense of it. Fair enough. I was bored. Yeah. Bored. I was bored before the opening credits ended. It's a boring <laughs> movie. It's a poorly made movie. It's just a bad movie. Everyone involved should be embarrassed. And you know what? I like to think that they are. So I'm giving it a double dare. All right, that's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel, but we'll be back in two weeks to review another one of your movie dares. Keep sending them. We'll keep eating them. Thank you again, Brad, from the Cinema Guys. I like to think that uh, your friend group is much more smarter than you because this this movie was not good. <laughs> Until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com and be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on your favorite podcast app, all of them. 
And you can read more of my movie reviews on the Dare Daniel website at daredaniel.com. Corky, yeah. where can people find you doing your J-Bone thing? Put your internet gloves on to access your <laughs> CPL downline mainframe. And uh, you can just find me floating around riding a cyber dolphin, stopping mm-hmm. in here, stopping in there, checking out the flying Doritos. Sure, sure, sure. Cool. Yeah, that sounds Information fun. Information superhighway. Remember when we used to say that like it was a good thing? <laughs> Topical. <laughs> for Dare Daniel. <laughs> for Dare Daniel, I am Daniel Barnes. And I'm Quirky McDonald. Uh, I, don't, I have nothing from this movie to say. Because <laughs> he checked out. J-Bone. J-Bone in the motherfucking house. We got a special room for that. We got a special room for that. A special room for jerking off the Henry Rollins death. It's a special room. I use my special flute. For Actually, it. I, don't, I don't need a special room. I do that anywhere. I just, you know. <laughs> All rooms are special rooms when, when that's concerned. Yeah, so. All right, Thanks, we everyone. love you. Bye.